Hi! That's Lindsay. And that's Kayla. And we're two friends who share a love for reading that we want to share with you. So, so let's, let's talk, talk about, about books, books, baby! Hello, everyone. All right, so the next voice you're going to hear is definitely not Lindsay, but it's exciting because we have a guest host. It is our friend, Kendall. Hi, Kendall. Hi, Kayla. So one of the reasons why I wanted to choose you to be on especially this episode is because you are probably one of the bigger Harry Potter fans that I know. I feel like you know stuff that most people don't know. You have a handle on things. So can you explain to me what was your first Harry Potter experience? First Harry Potter experience, I honestly cannot recall if I saw the Sorcerer's Stone in theaters first or if my dad read us the books first, because uh-huh. uh, I feel like those happened at the same around the same time. But um, I definitely remember my dad reading them to me as a kid and then going to see the movies every time they came out. And then when I was old enough to read them on my own and go see them on my own, going with my friends to the midnight premieres, going to get the books when they came out at midnight. Or actually, I think my brother would do that uh, while I slept peacefully. And then <laughs> I would read it in the morning after he'd read it through the night. He would so, read it in one night? Yeah. He would stand in line while I was asleep. Uh, and then he would read from, you know, to midnight until 6 or 7 a.m. And then he would sleep through the day and I would read it uh, the next six or seven hours. That's our compromise. I got to sleep more, but he got to know what happened first. And then, yeah, I've always been good about rewatching the movies whenever there's a marathon on TV. And then this year... 25 Days of Christmas on ABC. Yep, yep. It's definitely something that happens during the holidays every year. I don't know how Harry Potter has become both a Halloween movie and a Christmas movie, but it has... (laughs) And then this year, for the first time in a really long time, I read all seven books back to back in June. It took me about three weeks, I think. And I think I also gained about 10 pounds. Because you were just sitting around reading. Because I would just work and then read and then wake up before work and read and then work and then read and repeat. Wow. Do you know how many pages is that? Um, all right. I'm going to have to do some quick math. This, this number I'm showing on my calculator is the total 3, number of 3,000... 407 pages. Holy crap. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of pages. And uh, I feel like the beginnings where Harry's at home with the Dursleys, I feel like that was like 2,000 of those pages. <laughs> was Harry at really? the beginning? Was Harry at the either beginning of the school year slash end of the summer waiting to go back to Hogwarts? Those parts always feel so long. Exactly. And I'm like, just get to Hogwarts and get to the good part. I don't want to <laughs> hear about Dudley and his friends. I believe it is Order of the Phoenix that is the longest. And it definitely feels the longest. Yeah, (laughs) 766. That was the one book that I was like, God, when is this over? The movie that took the most out of me, I would say, was The Half-Blood Prince. It was never the one that I was super excited to watch, you know? You know, up until this last June, Prisoner of Azkaban was always my favorite. And I think Half-Blood Prince has now become my new favorite. Of the movies or the books? Of both. 
No way. Yeah. And I always liked Prisoner of Azkaban the most because that's right before, you know, things started getting serious and Mm -hmm. no pun intended. Um, (laughs) And people start dying. So I like that it was still pretty lighthearted. I liked the whole time travel aspect. Mm -hmm. Um, I love the character Sirius Black. But yeah, after starting to reread again, books, books one through five, the entire time I was thinking, I can't wait until I start reading six because there's so many cool things that happen in six, despite the scary bits in the cave at the end and the demise of one of our favorite characters. It's still a, I think it's now my favorite. You know, uh, one of the things that I love about Prisoner of Azkaban, it is part of the time travel kind of aspect of it. But the thing that I loved is I love in movies where you have time twists Right? So it's kind of like when Harry, Ron, and Hermione are hanging back and they're watching Hagrid's house. Hermione turns around and she says, I thought I saw, you know, never mind. And then all of a sudden it turns out she saw herself. She saw them. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite part. Have you watched Dark on Netflix? The TV Never. Show? All right. If you like that part of Harry Potter, it's two seasons, a German time travel series that is that one bit of Harry Potter that's the second half of Prisoner of Azkaban but in two seasons of German television. Is it also like true crime? No, not really. I mean, crimes happen, but it's mainly around time travel. So here was another one of my questions was I was going to ask you, so you've read the books, you've watched the movies. Now, what was something that was in the book that maybe the movie missed out on or vice versa? Is there something that comes to mind? Yes, 100%. I wish they had included the story about the Gaunts, Marvolo Gaunt, and how Voldemort's connection with the family and the Horcrux it's when Dumbledore reveals to Harry that Voldemort has created Horcruxes, don't know how many, but he's already destroyed one of them, which is the ring that comes from the Gaunts, who have a connection with the Deathly Hallows. So basically the bit where Harry goes into the Pensieve to look mm-hmm. at this memory of the Gaunts, who are all descendants of Slytherin, all parcel tongue, and I just think they're really cool, kind of creepy Adam's family And I forgot about it because I hadn't read the books in such a long time. I really like the side story about them and how Voldemort is really ashamed of his mother who had him by way of a muggle. And that makes him super ashamed of himself, but, you know, is a part of who he is and not something he can ever really escape, uh, even Mm -hmm. though he tries to suppress it. And it's kind of tragic, the story about his mom, who is apparently not much of a looker. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and not very successful and dies in a very sad way. And you, you don't really want to empathize with Voldemort or young Tom Riddle knowing yeah. who he's going to become. But you know, the world kind of created him to yeah. be the way he is. So how much blame can we really put on him versus you know, the world that shaped him to be who he is. And I think that's interesting because the movies, they don't give you any opportunity to empathize with him. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the most you empathize with him, I think is right at the beginning of 
It's either right at the beginning of Half-Blood Prince or even Order of the Phoenix. I'm pretty sure it's Half-Blood Prince, though. They show Tom in like orphanage. an orphanage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the most you feel sympathetic. Right. Any sort of sympathy towards him. And, yeah. and it, I think it would have been really cool to have that, to have that little bit of a connection with him where you're like, I almost feel bad for you. Mm-hmm. And I think to an extent, since they did get rid of that, I think that they almost tried to pull part of that in with the relationship between Grindelwald and Albus Dumbledore in Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Like like this bad guy who you almost slightly sympathize with, but then you don't. It's like, they're like, oh, we want to keep that part of it. And since we didn't keep it in the original series, let's throw it in this side series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that was going to be my second answer to your question is I wish more of Grindelwald had been incorporated at least into the seven part one and seven part two of the Mm -hmm. movies. But I think the tricky thing with the way the movies were produced while the books were still coming out is when movies one through four, one through five were being created, the Mm -hmm. producers didn't know at the JK Rowling didn't even know at the time, I guess how the story was going to end. So if all seven books had been released and then the movies were created, I'm sure they would have done it differently and included more about Horcruxes and Grindelwald. Mm. And they did a good job with the Peverells and the Deathly Hallows. But yeah, there's a huge connection between the Peverells and Harry and mm-hmm. the Peverells and Voldemort and the Slytherins and how they're all kind of connected with each other and connected with the Horcruxes, which show the significance of the Horcruxes in the movie. You're like, oh, a ring? It's just a ring. Oh, it's also the Resurrection Stone? What? Where did that come from? So I kind of wish they'd done more in the books to show why um, that stuff was important. Why? Or in the movies, right? Yes, sorry. In the movies, the significance, why Voldemort picked it. And yeah, the story about the Gaunts is just, it's cool. I don't know if you remember it, but uh, it starts at the beginning where um, an employee of the Ministry of Magic is going to the Gaunts home and he walks up to it. It's this little cottage and he sees a snake nailed to the door. And this creepy, you know, homeless looking guy comes out and just starts speaking to him in Parseltan and he gets super freaked out. And then there's a little man and this woman inside the house. And it just seems like something from, I don't know, like a Twilight Zone or it doesn't doesn't seem particularly Harry Potter to me. It seems a little more serious than that. So I don't know why I really enjoy that passage, but yeah, I wish that had been incorporated into the movies. So I actually have only read books one through three and then uh, probably like part of four. Um, I think just past that, I just I just never got around to it. Uh, I have every intention of doing it, but I just haven't mm-hmm. had a chance, you know, especially because it's a commitment to, to read all of those books. So I completely commend you for it. It's, yeah. I mean, it's super easy. I, I have had a like 300 page book sitting on my nightstand for the past three months. Uh-huh. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's taking me forever to read this. While in June, I read a nearly 
800 page book in like three days that's and I'm true. like it has to be a compelling it has to be harry potter for me to to really sit down and do that sit down for five hours because i could have been done with this book years ago if i just sat down and read it for five hours but yeah and start from the beginning don't start from wherever you think you ended start from the beginning because there's so much that happens in the books that are not included in the movies and really mm-hmm. tie everything together and the, yeah the movies just tried to find a way to connect everything in the minimal amount of time but Another thing that always kind of made me be like, what? When watching the movies is when Harry all of a sudden has the broken glass mirror that his godfather. The shard, yeah, the shard yes. of glass. So Sirius Black gave that to him and he kind of just tossed it to the side. I can't remember why he was being grumpy. That's another <laughs> thing is in the books, he's a lot more grumpy and upset and angsty than he, he is, is in, in the, the movies. movies. In the movies, I feel like it's mainly in Order of the Phoenix. Mm-hmm. But in the books, he's just mad all the time. So he forgot about it. And then they come back to it later and kind of explain where it came from and how it's connected to Dumbledore and to Aberforth. But yeah, it just appears in the movie with no explanation. He's just holding it at the beginning of seven part one after they bury Dobby. Mm-hmm. Like, if you read the books, you know what this is. But if you didn't, then <laughs> you don't really get it. Yeah, you should read the books. <laughs> so I will say one thing I would love to see in the future, a movie explaining how all the houses became the houses. So like you have Ravenclaw and, you know, we kind of touch on it just a tiny bit in uh, Deathly Hallows when they're looking for the lost item. But it's just so surface level, you know, so I would love to have some sort of a a storyline about Godric Gryffindor, about Salazar Slytherin, about Helena Hufflepuff and about Rowena Ravenclaw, about how they came together, how they formed the Hogwarts houses. Was there a love triangle? Was there not? Was there that? Like, I would just love to see that. I would love to see, like, the first Hogwarts houses and what they looked like versus what they become. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be super interesting because after the Harry Potter series, Fantastic Beasts is the prequel, and then I never read whatever the play was, oh, First uh, Child. First Child. Yeah, I never read that, but I know that's kind of like afterwards. But mm-hmm. if you go back even further, yeah, you could totally explore that. I just yeah. hope they wouldn't mess it up. <laughs> you know, I'd love to know what made Salazar Slytherin such an a-hole. And made yeah. <laughs> And then also we look at the different people who are in the different houses and we have like Gryffindors, right? We have Gryffindors. Gryffindors are supposed to be like the brave and the wonderful, but Peter Pettigrew was a Gryffindor. So it's like, mm-hmm. it's like, where is that line? You know, where is that defining line that can just be hopped? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and did Godric Gryffindor have any bad sort of uh, personality traits that would allude to like that almost that bridge between Harry Potter and Peter Pettigrew? You know what I mean? Mm hmm. Yeah, and it's mainly the Harry Potter series where I feel like there's divides between houses. But in the second Fantastic Beasts, which I only recently watched, whoever Zoe Kravitz's character is, Mm -hmm. is Slytherin. Mm -hmm. And she ends up being quite a heroine. Yeah. Um, And then I'm pretty sure one of Harry's sons, I can't remember which one, if it's... Albus. 
Albus, he he gets sorted into Slytherin too. He does, yeah. That was one of our topics last week was Lindsay and I were talking about how we love Slytherins. Like we love Slytherins. We do feel like, you know, they're definitely villainized. But I personally think that Snape is one of the characters that's supposed to show us that like they are villains, but like they can still do good. Him and Draco both. Uh, and Narcissa. Narcissa, I was make- gonna say she's She's, she's the my one. favorite. She's, mm-hmm. she's my favorite character, hands down. But like, I feel like they all make decisions. And Slughorn. Um, Don't forget Slughorn. Slughorn too. I'm sorry. Yes. So it's like these characters have made decisions to be good and to make good choices. So mm-hmm. I think that that's one of the things that I love about them, you know? And, and and then you have Peter Pettigrew on the other side that that has made that decision to be evil. So I love mm-hmm. that they show that it's not black or white. You have good and bad on all sides. Mm-hmm. You have Cedric, you know, he's a Hufflepuff and Hufflepuffs are, you know, kind. But then his friends were making fun of Harry in Goblet of Fire. So again, there's there's bad and good on both sides. So I really like that. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, now trying to think of if there are any Ravenclaws or Hufflepuffs that end up sitting on Voldemort's team. First person I can think of is Stan Shunpike, but I don't know if he actually went to Hogwarts. And this is why I need to read the books because I need to know like things like this. <laughs> He's uh, he's one of the Death Eaters who claimed he was under the Imperious Curse, but no one really knows if that was a lie. Yeah, it says it was unknown if he ever attended Hogwarts, um, but yeah, wouldn't have known the house. I would love also, if, if we're talking about side movies... I would also love to see a side movie of the Deathly Hallows, how the Deathly Hallows came to be. We have that story. We have that awesome animated section of the movie. And I would love to see that animation come to life. I would love to see how they acquired these items, how they, you know, how how some of them lost their way. One of them ended up killing himself to be with the one he loved. One of them ended up being killed. He's the one who had the Elder Wand and he had it stolen from him. And then you have the one who was greeted by death like an old friend, you know, Mm -hmm. and he's the one who had the invisibility cloak, which eventually goes to Harry. So... And you know why it goes to Harry, right? Would you like to explain it to us? Just because he's a direct descendant of whichever Peverell brother that was. See, I I knew that, but I think I knew that from like my own research. It wasn't explicitly explained in the movies. So Mm -hmm. I think I... Yeah, it's it's just implied in the movies and it's not Amicus. That's one of the Caro um, siblings. I think Mm -hmm. it was um, Ignotus. So... They imply it in the movies when they go to visit, when Harry and Hermione go to visit Harry's parents at Godric's yeah. Hollow in the graveyard. And I think Hermione finds a Peverell's grave. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the only clue they give. But yeah, in the in the books, it's quite clearly confirmed that it's just been passed down from father to son. And Harry was the next in line. Who gave it to Harry? Wasn't it? His dad, his dad by way of Dumbledore. By way of Dumbledore. Okay. That's beautiful. Yeah. So I I think when Dumbledore was learning about the Deathly Hallows, he knew that James had an invisibility cloak. So he asked to examine it. 
Um, and then right after that, or soon after that, is when James was murdered. And so then Dumbledore was able to pass it on to Harry safely. That makes sense, because he already had it. Mm-hmm. And I think there is one more invisibility cloak in Harry Potter. Um, I remember hearing before somewhere that there was only one. But see, this is the type of stuff that I should take notes on when I'm reading it. <laughs> yeah, it looks like Moody may have had one too. Oh, Mad-Eye? Yeah. That's another question I'd like to ask you. What's one character from the book that you wish would have either played a bigger character in the movie or would have been a character at all in the movie? For me, Peeves. Peeves, Peeves. hands down. <laughs> I do remember Peeves. What's your favorite part about Peeves? Why do you wish he's he was hilarious? In yeah. He's so funny and he causes so much mischief and he's not like any of the other ghosts. And sometimes he gets in the way, but sometimes he's at the right place at the right time and helps out our trio of friends. And I just can't believe that they chose to leave out such a a good source of comic relief. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I know. I feel like they gave most of the comic relief to Ron. Yeah, right Ron and Fred and George. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I would have, I would have loved to see Peeves. That would have been great. I would have loved to see Ariana. Like, I would have loved to see more of her. Well, you'd have to look at a, a lot of pensive scenes because it's all going to be memories. Yeah, but I mean, still, I mean, you can still have a really good scene where you like where you are able to see why she's so important to the Dumbledore family, you know, why she's stuck in that painting. You know, he, Aberforth, he says, did he tell you about her? And he, you know, motions to her, her painting, Mm -hmm. but it's like, no, he didn't. And now it's like, I want to know, like, I want to know. Well, they they explain all of that in the books in much more depth, her importance and, what her fate is and why that's so important to Grindelwald and Dumbledore's relationship. I think it's actually the turning point in their relationship. It's the point of contention where they lose their friendship with each other. But uh, since you're going to read the books, I won't say too much more. Okay. One thing that I hate is when books are made to movies and then you have them hint at something. But it's like, if you're going to hint at something, you need to explicitly say it too. Like, you can't just be like, oh, they'll go back and read the book. It's like, no, there are some people who aren't. There are some people who are just like watching. <laughs> That's and like, funny you say that because my little brother would never, I don't think he's read any of the books. And so we would go see the movie or I would go see it and then he would see it later on and he'd ask me questions about it and I'd be like you're gonna have to read the books Ah! I'm never gonna do that I'm just gonna google it I'll be like all right you're gonna Uh, miss out I always wanted him to yeah the books are so great um it's just such a daunting task to read them all it's true. And especially when you have, like with us, we have this podcast. And so we have our books laid out. So, you know, it's it's finding that time to read, you know? So it's like this entire quarantine, we've been doing this podcast. And so we always knew what books we were going to read and, and stuff like that. So now it's like, Ah, we don't have, I don't have the time to read them, but Mm -hmm. I'm going to make the time. That's one thing that's nice about Harry Potter, I think, is you don't, you don't have to convince yourself to do it. It's just, it's Harry Potter. It's kind of addicting. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, it's taken, it's taken me five weeks to get through (laughs) 150 pages for this other book I'm reading. 
because uh, there's still so much Netflix to watch. But I'm oh, like, girl, yeah, Harry Potter is Harry Potter is more important than Netflix. Yes, I I started a book. I won't say which one because we do have it in a later episode. But I started it and I was reading it, and it just took me forever to get through forty pages. And I was like, oh, I can't do this. I can't keep doing this to myself. And so I told myself I was going to read to 150. And if I don't like it at 150, then I am going to stop reading it. Because Lindsay and I have said to each other, you know, life is too short to read books you don't like. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to read the books that I do like. And if I can't get through this one, I'm not going to force myself. I have a question for you now. Yes. And uh, I guess if you're listening to a Harry Potter podcast, you can't be upset with spoilers. Who's, whose death affected you the most? Just answer. Don't think about it. Serious. Serious. Really? Yeah, 100%. It was serious. I think because... and. This is something that my sister-in-law used to say. So when I would be crying about a guy who broke my heart, my sister-in-law would tell me, you know, you're mourning the death of a relationship. You had these ideas, you had this future planned out with this person, and now all of that's gone. And so I think with Sirius, with his death, Mm -hmm. it really affected me because you saw this happy future that that Harry could have had. You Mm -hmm. know, he saw this like he could have a father, he could have a family, you know, he could travel the world with Sirius, and then all of a sudden he's gone. And in the movie, at least, when they're having that final showdown where Sirius dies, just before he dies, they're all fighting and he turns to Harry and Harry does something, some spell. And then Sirius says, nice one, James. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. It was almost more heart-wrenching when you hear that part. When you hear him say, the nice one, James. Because Sirius had to mourn the loss of his friend James, who was like a brother to him. And mm-hmm. then and be framed for it. Be framed for it. And finally, he can have a happy future with Harry. And then everything gets taken away from both of them. And Which on- is even more difficult for Harry because... It was Harry's decision to go see if Sirius was being held hostage in the ministry, which sadly was not true. Yeah, it's just, it's really heartbreaking. And um, and I've heard, I don't know if you've heard this, but like I heard that in that scene where Daniel screams, like his screams were so horrible and heart-wrenching that they had to mute it. That's why his screams are muted in that scene. Because he was not good at screaming? No, because he was too good at screaming. Like, they thought that it would just be too bad to have that scream actually be there. So they had to mute him. Hmm. Yeah. You can see it on his face. It's horribly sad. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I would say second to that would be... She's... I don't know. I think it's an easy answer. Dobby? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Dobby. Oh God. It's the only that is the only scene, and I don't, I do not cry easily at books or movies, and that is the only scene where my eyes swell up and I can feel the sadness in my throat. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one is so. Because he's right so, now. he's so tiny. He's so tiny. He's oh, so small. But can you remember when Luna says? 
he just looks like he's sleeping, doesn't he? Like yeah. that. I'm like, oh, what a sweetheart. He is yeah. like by far one of my favorite characters, Luna. Yeah, Luna's the best. She's hilarious. I think the thing that I love about Luna is okay, and and maybe this is also something I love about Davi. I love when she's like let's go, sir, or whatever. And he's like, she called me sir. I like her. Um, (laughs) Such a pure, sweet moment. Mm -hmm. But I think that the thing I love about Luna is that she is such an oddball. And Mm -hmm. so odd. God bless her. She, She makes it okay to be an oddball. Yep. She does not care. Doesn't care. And she just is what she is. And, you know, when she and she has such a positive outlook, no matter what. I like mm-hmm. when uh, when they she was looking for her shoes and she was like, oh, they're just having fun. You know, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, they hid my shoes. They're just having fun. But since the school year is almost over, I, I really should get them back like that kind mm-hmm. of thing. And I'm like, my God, just this girl is such has such a positive outlook. And I wish I was like her to be totally weird and just not give a damn and then also to be able to, like, have such a positive outlook when things seem so grim, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. She is definitely a shining light. Yeah. Who's your favorite character? Oh, man. Did not think I would get asked this question. <laughs> My favorite character. Hmm. Maybe Kingsley Shacklebolt. Okay, so for those of us who have no clue what the hell you're talking about, wait a minute, do I know who you're talking about? You should. You must admit it, Dumbledore's got style. Yes, I do know him, yes. I, mm. I will say, I think that got they don't it. use the names a lot. They'll, they'll introduce them and then they never use them again sometimes, you know? Yeah, yeah, I think they call him Kingsley a couple times, but yeah, if I had to pick a favorite character, yeah, he he only does everything right. He never does anything wrong. Either I, Kingsley or Hermione, I think I would be my, my top two. Yeah. Anything that you want to close with in terms of Harry Potter? Um, I think everybody should read the series at least, hmm, I don't know if once a year is too much. <laughs> Maybe once every five years. Okay. It's definitely, like, I'm so thankful that we grew up with the books and the movies at the same time and I feel sorry for every generation before us and every generation after us that won't be there for book releases and midnight showing because that was such a huge part of my childhood from like first grade until the end of high school and beyond like when I went to England in 2012 we went to the Warner Brothers, Harry Potter Studios, which was such a treat. While it sucks that no generation after us will be able to experience it in the same way, I think it's just such a great story. And it's an easy read. It's not, it's great for kids. It's captivating and has a lot of good life lessons and isn't too difficult. So it's enough for adults and kids to enjoy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I definitely want to thank Harry Potter for I feel like it really allowed me to harness my imagination in a in a way where it was like you know yeah you believe in magic to an extent because of like Disney and stuff like that but I think that Harry Potter allowed me to believe in magic to a different degree and Mm -hmm. you know I would check under my bed for Dobby and stuff like that Mm -hmm. um 
So yeah, it's just I mean, it's something that's really tough with trilogies or series is getting better with each book. Yeah, making the story better with each chapter. And Harry Potter gets better with each book. And that's not always the case with television or movie series or book series. But um, it's really nice to have something that, you know, you can rely on to get better and better and better with each book. Absolutely. Well, Kendall, thank you so much. Thank you so, so much. Lindsay appreciates it. I appreciate it. And I knew that if the two hosts of the show couldn't do it, then at least we needed someone who who knew Harry Potter, and that's you. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. Of you. course. Yeah, I can text you the two other books that I end up reading in the next five years. So if those ever fall in your list and you need backup, <laughs> it'll be like Handmaid's Tale and Becoming Michelle Obama, I think. Are oh, my two. God. All right. Bye. Bye. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Tune in every Monday for new episodes. That's Kayla. And that's Lindsay. Goodbye! And then, what was going to be my last question? It was about Harry Potter. Oh, um, we're switching oh, yeah. topics? Oh. <laughs>